uh, if you'll turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, uh, I'm, I'm excited in a lot of ways this morning. Uh, you know, I had, I had a plan. I, most of you guys know that by now, and talking with me, I plan out a lot of things. Uh, sometimes I overplan. Uh, but I, I plan out my sermons, and I have it kind of like right now I have all my sermons outlined uh, until j- the end of July. Uh, so I, I thought I was going to be preaching on something else this morning. Last week we talked about the false victory of Christ and the expectations that the Israelites and specifically the people from Bethany had put on Jesus and said, we're going to crown you king, even though that's not why he came there to Jerusalem. Uh, and so they, they thought it was going to be the victory, but really it was the false victory because the, the, all the, he was doing was coming to die for our sins, but they didn't understand that. Uh, so this morning I thought I was going to preach on the true victory of Christ, and I, and I will in a way, but I was going to preach from Romans, but as I was preparing this week, uh, I felt that we, it would be better for us uh, to look at the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 24. Uh, We'll be going through verses 13 through 35 uh, and really looking at the ramifications of the resurrection. Not just about what Jesus did, because he did so much through the resurrection. Uh, If if you uh, go to our website, I I put up a weekly blog, and there I put uh, just 10 uncommon uncommon things that were done because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there are so many more. Uh, There are hundreds of reasons why Jesus had to die on the cross and then was raised from the dead. Uh, The main thing is that we are justified from our sin. That he took our place, as we looked at on Friday, of of the substitution that happened for us in our place so that he could die for our sins. Uh, That's the the major thing that was accomplished. Uh, But there are many more. And so if you go onto our website, maybe you'll see a few things that I would have been talking about this morning. Uh, But today I wanted to look at the, the ramifications. Uh, I, I won't ask you right now, but I'll, I'll just ask you to maybe uh, answer the question in your heart. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, we, we've been talking about it this morning. We said uh, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We sang the songs that talked about it. But let me just ask you that and maybe just answer it in your heart. Do you really believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, if you do, There are things that should happen in your life. And if you don't, there are consequences of that. And that's really what I wanted to discuss with us uh, today uh, in really looking at uh, two disciples and getting a before and after shot. You see those on TV, right? Uh, When there's some kind of uh, weight loss treatment or, uh, you know, some kind of new facial cream to put on and get the wrinkles away, things like that. And they'll show you a picture of before and, you know, that's, it's the person always looking so depressed, never smiling, right? And they're, they're trying to look as uh, despairing as possible. Uh, but they show that picture, and then right after they show, you know, with this product, this is what happens. And it's a totally different. It's a transformation. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at a transformation. We're going to be looking at a before and after. These two disciples who, uh, before, they don't believe in the resurrection. And, and we'll look at what that means for them in their hearts. And then there's after, when they understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there, there is a total transformation. And I want us to really explore that this morning. So I'll, I'll read uh, Luke chapter 24, starting at verses, 
13. We'll read through 35 together, then we will pray, and then we will study it together. That very day, that's talking about Sunday on Resurrection Day, that very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company, which we looked at just a few moments ago with the children, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen visions of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those, th uh, those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Let us pray. God in heaven, we do ask that you would be with us now. Uh, Lord, we, we have given you praise and honor and glory for all that you have done. And now we, we request of you that you would be with us as we look at this text, that you would use your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts, that we would understand what it means, that we would truly grasp the, rev uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that it would soak into our souls, that we would live in light of the resurrection. Uh, Lord, that we would live in light of that amongst each other and even in our community. We pray that you would be honored through the things that we discussed this morning, that your text would speak for itself, and that we would learn. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have this story, and a lot of us probably know it. Uh, you know, when we go through the Gospels, as 
maybe even in your uh, quiet time with the Lord in the mornings, maybe you go through the Gospels and you've read this and many people have, have talked about it, but uh, I, I want us to really understand what is happening. All right, We have that same day, this is on that Sunday, that Resurrection Sunday, uh, we have these two of them. That's how, that's how the Bible puts it. Two of them. Who are they? Well, uh, the them would then be the disciples that he's talking about uh, throughout the rest of the chapter of 24. All right, so these are not just random people. Uh, these are not uh, people who are unbelievers. All right, these are the people who are following Christ. Not, not the 12 or 11 at this point, uh, but others who were with them who were following Christ. And so it's two of them, and they were going to a village called Emmaus. Uh, they're going home is really what's happening here. So you have two disciples who are leaving Jerusalem. Uh, and just even that, it shows you something that is going on in their hearts. These two believers, to a point, have given up. Uh, they, they are not staying with the rest of the disciples. They're going home to Emmaus. We even see later that they invite them in, uh, invite Jesus in, even though they don't know it's him. They invite him in for supper. In other words, this is our place. Come and, come and uh, have some food with us. It's, uh, we can welcome you in. They own the house. All right, so two of these disciples, they're giving up. They're going home, and they're going to Emmaus. So Emmaus is about... Uh, seven miles from Jerusalem, so you take it about ten kilometers away. All right, uh, if you were to walk ten kilometers, because uh, that's the way they had to travel, uh, you, it would take you a while, right? Uh, that, that's going to become important for us later on. All right, but ten kilometers is probably about two hours, about a two-hour walk uh, in Jerusalem. Maybe even some of you who have been over to the Holy Land, you you know that it's not like here in the prairies. Where, you know, you walk and there's, you know, you're just staying level the whole way through. There's no hills, there's, there's no uh, uh, mountains for you to climb or anything like that. You can get where you're going pretty fast. Well, in Jerusalem it's very different. It was rocky, it was hilly, it would be a hard walk. And so it wouldn't just be, alright, well I'm going to breeze through this. This was a two hour long walk. Uh, from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they go home here to Emmaus in verse 14. And as they're going, they're, they're talking with each other. Just like if you were going, uh, maybe, maybe even some of you as a couple, uh, maybe you go walking or you get a, a friend together and you go walking together. Uh, you're not just staying in silence, right? You're talking about life. You're talking about what's happening, uh, uh, what's, what's going on with your family, things like that. Well, these two disciples are the same way. And just like you would talk about something, that if something big happened, like I remember uh, in, in high school there was an earthquake. I'm from Seattle, Washington. There was a big earthquake in, uh, when I was in high school. And even years later, uh, if, if you were to discuss earthquakes, everyone would talk about where they were when that earthquake happened, even though it was a pretty, pretty small one. Uh, but it was, it was a big occurrence in our life, so we talked about it. Um, and, and we do the same thing today, right? If you're having something, like maybe you've even had a rough day at work, right? You, and something, something weird, something uh, bizarre happened at work, and you come home, and you're just talking about it with your spouse or with your kids or with your family, and you're just discussing it and discussing it and discussing it. 
That's what's going on here because there was this big occurrence, right? Uh, Jesus had been crucified. This was huge, right? Uh, Even even to the point of uh, the Sanhedrin, that night when Jesus was betrayed, as Ehud read with uh, uh, Judas's kiss, uh, that right there at that night, uh, they they got the Sanhedrin together. Something that had never happened in all of history and hasn't happened since. The Sanhedrin, the leaders of the nation getting together. This was huge all right, to, to plot to kill Jesus. So uh, everyone is discussing it. Even later they'll get into it even more. But everyone's talking about it and they're discussing it on the road. They're probably going through the ins and outs of it. Trying to rationalize. Trying to figure out. Uh, it says that they were talking about it. And it even says that they were discussing that's how my ESV reads it. Your Bible might say debating. That's a, that's a better interpretation. It's arguing. They're, they're, they're talking about what happened, trying to figure it out. But Jesus said that he was the Savior. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So how, how can he be dead? Uh, it's, it's the third day. We didn't see him. You know, what what's going on? And they're talking about it, and they're debating, and they're arguing, trying to get everything worked out, going through scripture and trying to piece it all together to figure out what, what, what happened here. You know, we, we thought, just like everyone else at Bethany, that when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, that this was it. This was the establishment of the kingdom. Everything was going to be great. And then betrayal and murder. And he's thrown up on the cross and he's dead now. And it's the third day. And they had heard what Jesus had said, again, is two of them, two of the disciples. So they had heard what Jesus said about the temple. He looked at the temple and said, I will destroy this temple, talking about himself, and then on the third day it will be rebuilt. So they know that. And he'd even said it many times before. That's why uh, Peter actually says, you know, uh, this will never happen to you. He says, get behind me, Satan. The reason why is because Jesus was talking about how he's going to die, and on the third day he was going to be raised. So they knew that. And they hadn't seen him. And so because of that, that they did not believe in the resurrection, they were debating and arguing, trying to figure out, is Jesus really who he said he is? Does this this make sense with what we know about the Savior and the Scriptures? So they're discussing, they're debating, they're trying to piece it all together. Uh, It kind of reminds me I don't know where you guys were at. I know I'm, I'm young, uh, but uh, 9/11, when it happened, uh, I, I was getting ready for school. I was I was going. I was a freshman in high school, and I was uh, getting ready in the morning. And I saw, you know, uh, you know, I'm just coming down, just getting ready. I'm a high school guy, so I'm running late, right? And uh, I had to get my uniform on, so on time, my time, going downstairs. And I look over at the TV, and my mom's got it on. She's just sitting there. She was a teacher at our school uh, for the kindergartners, so she should have been getting ready. Uh, But she was just sitting there watching it. And I saw people jump from the building. And that obviously impacted me uh, in everyone. Uh, We we went to school. It was a tragic, tragic thing. And, like, even though we, we are not close to New York, but to see something like that, we all went to school and we were talking about it. And I'm talking about with my friends. We're trying to figure it out, right? Uh, we, we came with all our wisdom and said it must have been Arafat who, who did it. You know, because that, that, that was the big uh, Palestinian leader who was against uh, 
the United States at that time. So we were thinking, oh, it must be, must be that guy. And that, that's what we came up with. This is similar to what these guys are doing, these two disciples. They have a limited amount of information, and they're trying to piece it all together with their logic. Uh, but they're leaving out the most important part. Again, they do not believe in the resurrection. So they're debating, they're arguing, and then something amazing happens. Jesus shows up. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So right when these disciples need the Savior the most, it's, it's a very important thing for us as Christians, that right when they need Jesus most, that's when he pops up. That's when he starts walking with them. But they don't see him. Uh, Jesus is going to be teaching them something. And so he, he somehow uh, miraculously keeps himself hidden from them. So I, I don't know what that means, if he looked different in their eyes or what, but they just did not recognize Jesus. And so they're walking together. And so Jesus then uh, asks them, verse 17, he said to them, uh, what is this conversation that you were holding with each other as you walk? What are you guys, what are you guys talking about? You know, here, here's this fellow traveler, he's going with them, and he's wanting to get in on the conversation. Right? What are you guys talking about? Um, and, and they stood still, looking sad. This is the effect that they have. What are you talking about? They stop right in their tracks. You know, they, they have a purpose, right? They're going home, it's a, it's a long walk, but then as they're going, he asks them the question, they just freeze. They stood still. And they look at each other, and uh, your Bible uh, probably says something to the effect of that they looked sad. They're depressed. Uh, the, the idea there is of their whole countenance. It was written all over their face that something tragic has happened to them, and they have lost hope, and they are depressed. Sometimes it happens with us. You know, when, you, when you've had a long day, uh, you, you go home and you look at your spouse and uh, they, they could tell, right? It's, it's written on your face. Some, something is off here. Something is wrong. And that's what these two disciples are feeling. They're depressed. They're sad. They don't believe in the resurrection. They think that they've been probably taken advantage of with their beliefs, right? Because Jesus isn't there, at least in their mind. But that's when Jesus shows up. And even though it's hidden to them, he sees they're, they're depressed. And this is on the, the back of your bulletins here. Number one, without the resurrection, disciples are doubtful and depressed. These, these two ideas is really what I want us to discuss and look at with these two individuals. There's doubt. You know, they're going through and trying to piece it together, trying to make it work without the resurrection because they don't believe in it. And they're trying to you know, kind of mash these pieces together and get it to, to make sure, all right, well, I guess that's Jesus. So they're doubting the resurrection, and that then leads to them being depressed, to being sad, to uh, not having the joy that they should have. This is Easter Sunday, right? Usually when we're looking at uh, text for Easter, we go through and we see people just over the moon excited, right? You know, boom, an angel shows up, and Mary Magdalene is praising the Lord. Right? P 
Peter comes to the uh, tomb, sees that it's empty. He's running and he's outpacing everybody and he's super excited. Joy, 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 joy. But here, when they don't know, when they don't believe, when they don't have confidence in the resurrection, there is doubt and oppression. And that's true in life. That's true with your Christian walk. Maybe it's the resurrection or maybe it's something else. Doubt always, always leads to depression. You know, as, as a, a, a former youth pastor, I, I worked with a lot of teens who struggled with depression. When it got down to it, the majority of mine, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but the majority of my kids, when, when they were depressed, it went back to something of them not knowing the gospel, not really believing it. There was some kind of doubt there. And doubt always leads to depression. That's number two on your bulletins. So the, this is where uh, th- that before picture is. These two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Before they really understand the resurrection, this is, their, this is the picture of them. Of being doubtful, of being depressed, of have giving up hope that they're going home. They're not continuing in ministry. Uh, they're, they're going home. They're... they're uh, you know they're they're all done, they're all done without the resurrection. All right, so that that's the before picture. But like I said, Jesus is there right when they need him most, and as they start to explain to him what they're talking about, what they're feeling, all right, Jesus then uh, corrects them. All right, uh, we see in verse nineteen. Then he said to them, "What things?" And they said of him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, word before God and all the people. So they, so far they got things right. All right. And how chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Again, so far they're correct. Uh, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day. So they had everything right. You know, they, yes, he, he was a prophet. It's true. You know, he's not only a prophet, but he was a prophet. He was doing miracles. They were following him. And we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And it's in the past. It's not we hope right now. You know, a lot of times when we look at the Bible, we look at the word hope, and it has a different meaning than today. As a, we we kind of use it as a maybe, you know, I hope that later I can have cake. Right? Uh, well, that's a Maybe. Well, in the Bible, it's an expectation. This is what I believe is going to happen, I hope. It's a certainty. But here, the certainty isn't in the future. It's in the past. I had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. So they had, they had lost their hope. They, with not believing in the resurrection, they were lost. And it's the third day. And even though some women had come by and said that he had risen, they know that. It's not that they are totally out of the loop, right? Uh, it's not that they were, you know, bright and early, they just started going home and they weren't around to hear all the stories of the women and, and, and even Simon going and seeing. It's just that they didn't believe him. They didn't, it's as simple as that. They didn't believe the accounts. Uh, the women who saw him, even the disciples and Simon... These guys are like uh, Thomas, you know, wanting to see the holes in the hands, but he's these guys aren't even sticking around to see it. All right, they they are that far gone with their hope. All right, that they they have lost all hope. They don't believe him. 
But Jesus then corrects them. So even though they have a lot of things right, they don't have that resurrection right. And so they are doubtful and depressed. All right, in verse uh, 24, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, uh, but him they did not see. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus is ticked. All right, he is angry. All right, there, uh, we, don't, we don't really see it in our English, but in the Greek, you can really get the emphasis here that he is not happy with these disciples. It's, it's not just that he's you know, kind-hearted, because he is. He shows up with them, right? Right when they need him most, he's kind. But he also is showing some tough love here. He says, oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. You got the word of God. It, you've had it for years and years. You can look in the Old Testament. You know the scriptures. I'm going to rise again, and I have. All right, but they don't get that. All right, uh, verse 26. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? It was necessary for Christ to die. Even Christ says so. It was absolutely necessary for us to be redeemed, for Christ to suffer the pain that he endured and to rise again so that we can have salvation through him. And he's teaching that. And I, I, I just really love this next verse. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus is preaching. He's walking with these two disciples who have lost their way. And he's saying, all right, you guys don't want to read the Bible? Let me show you. And he just starts going through. And really, when you look at it, it's not just that Jesus is preaching a sermon. He's giving them systematic theology, which warms my heart. Uh, he's going through and showing them everything concerning himself. He's going through and saying, well, all right, well, here's what Isaiah says about the Savior. Here's, here's what Jeremiah says about the Savior. Ezekiel about the Savior. Look what David says about the Savior. And as they're walking for this two-hour walk, he is going through and showing them from the Word of God the things concerning himself. He's showing them, this is what you must believe. This is what it means to be a disciple of me. To truly understand and grasp the resurrection, you have to know the word of God. And so he's going through and he's showing them that God's word is the cure for doubt. That's number three on the back of your bulletin there. That God's word is the cure for doubt. Yes, we can find uh, different things outside of the word of God. I was even talking with someone, I forget who, but I was talking about how there, was, there were proofs. You know, you could go to the mountains and find fossils of fish up in the mountaintops. Where did that come from? The flood. All right. What, uh, what about the, the amount of dust on the moon from the meteors that have hit in it? Uh, it only shows that uh, by even what we can gauge today that the earth has been around for around the same time that uh, God's word says it has. There are proofs that we can find outside of Scripture. But when you're really doubting, those things, those things are, are not inspired. What you really need is the Word of God. When you are at home and you are sitting there and wondering, and if you are a Christian today and have never doubted, uh, I doubt that. All right? It happens. So what do we do? We go to the Word of God. 
Jesus shows us by example to lead these two disciples and give them this message of going through the word of God and showing them everything concerning himself. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village. They drew near to the village, uh, to Emmaus, to which they were going. And Jesus is acting, he's kind of probably still continuing to walk. Uh, he acted as if they were going, uh, as if he was going farther. All right, so he's, he's showing, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep on going, I'm still going on this walk. And, 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 and they say, no, 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 come on in. And it's important to note here, uh, what, how do they get him to stay? They, they urged him, you know, it's nighttime. Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. Uh, re- remember on Friday when we were talking about Barabbas, and how he was, uh, the, the word of God says that he was a highwayman, a bandit? Right? Uh, th- this is that time that bandits would take advantage of people. You know, when, when it's night, they're hiding in the rocks, they're waiting for people, and then they're going to jump on them, take their money, things like that. It was dangerous landscape. You know, we don't have uh, street lights like we do today, uh, you know, it's uh, you know no flashlights, no no iPhone that you can pull out and uh, use the flash, nothing like that. Um, you know, when when David is talking and he says, uh, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet," he's he's being uh, 100% real about that. What they would do is they would take a lamp and they would put it by their feet and walk. You try doing that for hours on end. That's not going to work so well. So a lot of people just wouldn't travel uh, by night. And especially in Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem, where Emmaus is, uh, it, it was going to be a, a pretty hard walk. And so they say, come on, come on. Uh, you know, they, they didn't know it was Jesus, so they call him probably something else. Uh, hey, man, come on, come on in to our house. Uh, stay with us. Have a meal. All right, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And here's where everything changes. Uh, At communion. That's essentially what he's going to do. Verse 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to all of them. This is a special thing. You know, what we're going to be doing in just even a few moments Communion is a special time of remembering what Jesus went through for us. And they understood that. They are two of them, two of the disciples. So when he is there and he's reclining at table with them, he's sitting, relaxing, and then he takes the bread and he breaks it, he blesses it, and he gives it to them. It clicks. They get it. It's Jesus. Verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They see him. They see the Savior that they watched die. And who they doubted. Right? Everyone is saying, women are saying it, Jesus is alive. Simon and the disciples are saying it, Jesus is alive. They don't believe it. They give up hope. They're depressed. They're doubtful. And they go home. And then Jesus comes along with them, a beautiful picture of him being Emmanuel, God with us, and walks with them, shows them from his word that he is the Savior. He is the one, even though they had it hoped he was the Redeemer, they weren't currently believing. He shows them, yes, I am. And then, boom, he reveals to them, I am the resurrected Savior. So what is that before 
What is that after? What do they do? Verse 32, they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Why didn't we see it? Of course it's Jesus. It's only him who could make us come alive like that. Like like when we were sitting under his teaching. We felt it again as we were walking with him. This is uh, one of the marks of a true Christian. When you read the word of God, does your heart burn within you? There's dead. And they say, we should have known. Verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Well, how does this realization of the resurrection affect them? Well, the first thing is their depression has now turned to joy. Their depression has now turned to joy. They are moved to action. They get up right then at that same hour. They had like they just eaten their meal. It's evening already, right? They just talked about how it's dangerous. Don't go, you know, you don't need to be walking on the road right now. And they get up that same hour and say, "We're going." There's joy there. There there's there's a sense of urgency there. And they they get up and they go. All right? And they they go to Jerusalem. They get there and they find the 11 who were with them and they say, the Lord has risen indeed. You know, it took him a long time. What we said even at the beginning of our service. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It took him a long time to get to that. He is risen indeed. But they do get there. The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. That, that's going back to what he had said. That some of them had seen what the women had seen. But we weren't there, so we don't believe. And they're saying, we believe you. We believe you. Jesus has risen from the dead. They believe. So that depression has turned to joy. And that doubt has turned to confidence. They believe now. They see Jesus. They know from the scriptures. They, they get it. And so they believe. And that depression has now turned to joy. And that doubt has now turned to confidence. And what do they do? Verse 35, then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They tell everybody. They tell everybody. You know, you, were, you guys were right, disciples. He has risen. Uh, we were wrong. We were wrong to lose hope. We were wrong to, to give up and to go. We will be with you now. All right? And they go and they tell everybody that it's true. Jesus showed up to us. He's, he has risen. The question then is for us. What about us? Do we believe in the resurrection? Do we really believe in the resurrection? You know, we can say He is risen indeed, but do we really mean that in our hearts? Do we take joy in the resurrection? Do we have confidence in it? Are we sharing it? You know, today uh, was a good good uh, a good example of us going out to the community and inviting people in. Will we continue to do that? Do we believe in the resurrection? Are we going to share it with others? It's not enough. It's not enough to come to church and celebrate Easter. 
It's not enough to be here, and even though it's a fun day, and we get to praise the Lord for what He's done, it's not enough. It shouldn't just stay here. We should be going up that same hour and telling others about that resurrection. We should do something about it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for my church family. Lord, I thank you for what has even been done today in ministering to one another. Lord, I thank you for your word that convicts us. Lord, we see this picture of the before of these two disciples and how they weren't believing in the resurrection, not truly. And there was depression and there was doubt. And Lord, I know that even as Christians, there might be even some in this room who still in a way doubt the resurrection. Lord, I pray that those people would have confidence to talk to someone. Lord, that we could do what Jesus does, to go through the scriptures with them, to show them, even 1 Corinthians 15, of all the people that saw him. Not just these women, not just Simon, not just even these two on the road to Emmaus, but hundreds. It's one of the things that we can be so confident about in the resurrection. There is more validity, there's more proof, historical proof out there for the resurrection of Jesus Christ for many than many other things that we believe. Lord, the resurrection did happen, and we can have joy in it, and knowing that our Savior, whom we love, is alive today. We can have confidence in knowing, as we read from 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, He is the first fruits. We too, uh, Lord, even when we die, we will not truly die. We will be with you forever. We too will be resurrected. Lord, we can, we can share it with others. I pray that we would be bold. Lord, even, even as we talk to people in our own lives, and even today as we get together with family and, and celebrate this time of Easter, I pray that we would be bold. That we would talk about how true it is that Christ has risen from the dead and what it means to us. How we don't have to be doubtful. How we don't have to be depressed. How we don't have to suffer in knowing, uh, but knowing that Jesus has risen from the dead, it could give us joy and confidence. Lord, I pray that we would live in light of the resurrection. That we would be telling it with others. That we'd be showing it. Not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of our lives. That we'd be sharing it with those who we work with, with our families. That we serve a risen Savior. Lord, I pray that you would even be glorified uh, through uh, the reflections of our hearts even now. That we would serve that Savior lovingly and freely that our hearts would burn within us as we contemplate and as we read from scripture the resurrection of jesus christ i ask this in his name amen